If you love the blue and white like we do, and you like to stay up to date on what's going on around Ripley High School athletics, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and turn on your notifications. Welcome to episode 11 of Viking 360. I'm Brian Johnson along with Mike Rubin. This promises to be a super show, and let's get started. We begin with Viking basketball. Friday's home game against Lincoln County has been postponed until the afternoon of Saturday, February 16th. But with two wins in a row, Ripley is now 7-7 on the season. One reason why is the defensive pressure applied by Jacob Fountain. When most fans talk basketball, the topic comes up of scoring. But for Viking junior guard Jacob Fowdy, it's not always about how many points he scores, but rather how many points did he keep the opposition from scoring. Welcome to Viking 360, Jacob. Thanks for being with us. Jacob is a uh, 5'10", 150 guard, uh, and he's earned a reputation uh, for his defensive skills. It appears that you take a lot of pride in your abilities uh, on the defensive end. So tell me how that came about, Jacob. Well, I, I never really liked getting scored on. And I've never been, like, the best offensive guy. So I took pride in my defense, mostly. Keeping the guy in front of me from scoring. Really, that's all it is. Now, Coach Parsons and Coach Mullins, they both played your position when they were in high school. Have they been able to help you somewhat, especially with the the, the defensive aspect of it? Yeah, they, they've taught me how to, like, the footwork and stuff on defense. It's really helped a lot. That's their main thing, play defense. Jacob, let's talk about uh, the mental aspect of the game. What does Jacob Fowdy do to get himself ready for a game? Well, most time I like to go eat and I just start focusing on the game. I listen to a lot of music. Get me hyped up for the game. And what do you have on your headphones as you get ready for a game? A lot of raps, really. Anyone in particular? Uh... I just love everybody, I guess. Jacob, coming up, we have a couple of games on the schedule that are uh, looked at as uh, revenge games. Uh, both Lincoln County and Roan County beat us on their home floors earlier in the season, but Friday night we'll be taking uh, on the Lincoln County Panthers, and then on Tuesday we play the Roan County Raiders on our home floor. Uh, what are your thoughts on playing both of those teams uh, for the second time? We got to take care of the ball. That's that's really what costs us missing games is turnovers. We've been talking with Ripley High Junior Jacob Fowdy on Viking 360. Thanks, Jacob. Ripley has a Super Bowl connection through Coach Paul Lanham. In two decades with the NFL. Lanham reached two Super Bowls. 
His biographer was Ripley sportscaster Mark Martin. Our guest on Viking 360 is Mark Martin, and we've had uh, Mark on as a guest before, but this time, Mark, we would like to talk about the game. We have the Super Bowl coming up this weekend, and Ripley has its own connection to the Super Bowl with Coach uh, Paul Lanham. And first, tell us about the, your research on Coach Lanham, uh, including your book. Well, I got to know Coach Lanham in 1972 at the 25th class reunion of Ripley High School, which is my parents and their class reunion. And he, at the time, had just gotten hired by the St. Louis Cardinals. And he had a Cardinal shirt on, a little Cardinal uh, logo on his uh, polo shirt. And it was pretty neat to meet him and certainly piqued my interest as a young boy to follow him. And then he went with the Washington Redskins and, and then with the L.A. Rams. So over time, got to know Paul more and more. And back in the late 80s, we talked about writing a book about his career. And we did, and that was a very meaningful for me. And you know, certainly as I look back on things I've had the chance to do, that's certainly something that, uh, you know, is, is right up there. So, and, and of course, uh, within uh, writing this book, you, you learn about uh, those days of uh, him coaching in not one, but two Super Bowls. Well, let's talk about those. Uh, he was with uh, the Rams uh, one year in uh, 70, uh, 79, the season the of 79, 79 right. the Super Bowl of 1980. But uh, And let's talk about that Super Bowl and then uh, the one later with the Redskins. Well, he was with the Washington Redskins with George Allen, and George Allen had the opportunity to leave and return to L.A. where he had once coached. And ironically, they played two exhibition games, and George Allen got fired. Now, you know, you think uh, there's a quick trigger now on coaches in the NFL. Think about that. And Paul's father-in-law, uh, Mr. Holmes, Russell Holmes, had never been to an NFL game. And the NFL game that he had come to watch and visit the family out in L.A. was the second exhibition game that then George Allen got fired from the day after, and he actually got to meet George Allen. So in the locker room after that loss, it was it was just a crazy scenario. And and then uh, Carol Rosenblum, who was the owner of the Rams at the time, told Paul they got to be very close. And he told Paul, you know, sometime later that was the biggest mistake he'd ever made because obviously George Allen was a was a great coach and highly thought of. But there was just some dissension, and and they fired him. So Ray Malvesi takes over, and Ray Malvesi would then be the head coach when the Rams went to the Super Bowl in uh, that 79 season, which they played in uh, January of 1980. And, of course, they played it in California. So the Rams were really in their own backyard. And, in fact, I think, uh, if I recall right, Paul did not – they did not they, – they got to stay at home. <laughs> and so uh, they played the Steelers, which had a pretty good team, uh, with Terry Bradshaw and that crew. So the Steelers uh, defeated the Rams, but uh, Paul said, you know, I, and this, Paul told me this before he actually coached in his second Super Bowl that every coach deserves to be in this game. But he said the neatest thing about that game was that they did stay at the hotel, you know, the night before the game and they're busing to the stadium. And both of his boys had been the ball boys that season for the Rams. Uh, his two sons, uh, Steve and Randy, who were good football players in their own right and played, had good college football careers at uh, Cal State Fullerton and Delaware, and uh, they, uh, they had been the ball boys all year for the Rams. Well, about midway through the year, other kids decided they wanted to be ball boys, but the equipment guy said, 
nope, Steve and Randy have been my guys all year. And then some higher up people's kids were wanting to be ball boys. And that equipment guy let uh, Steve and Randy, uh, you know, be the ball boys for the Rams all year. Well, it's, this I know, Mike, this is going to sound crazy, but for whatever reason, you think this is a Super Bowl and the Steelers did not have a ball boy. <laughs> so Steve and Randy... One was the ball boy for the Rams, and the other was the ball boy for the Steelers. And Paul said, here I am driving to the uh, Super Bowl with my two sons flanked by my side. He says, he says this doesn't get any better than this in life. <laughs> and, you know, so they didn't win the game, but, uh, what, you know, what a... You know, like like he would always say, how, how does how does somebody from Middle Fork wind up in the NFL and ultimately a Super Bowl? Really? Did Paul tell you any specific stories? Did he share with you any particular Super Bowl stories uh, that you would happen to recollect? Well, I mean, I, I think the the biggest thing was they they just had you know a a a, a daunting task of, of playing the Steeler team, and you know they and they really you know handled their own. You know, but uh, ultimately the the Steelers pulled away in the end. But no, they, he he felt really good about their game plan and felt you know they sort of had a home field advantage, so to speak. But uh, really, just was I think it was just the the just all of it. I mean, you know, there's just he said there's just so much going on, and and that's still the Super Bowl is still it's not like it is today, but it it was it was growing, and it and it certainly. I think by then it it was becoming the spectacle that we know it is today, but uh, and then you know uh, moving on you know he's out of coaching in the football season of 1987. He had been with the Detroit Lions. And he was just kind of frustrated with the situation there. Just chose to move back to California. They had never moved from California, and uh, uh, the Washington Redskins had played the Rams in a Monday Night Football game and had struggled. Uh, with their special teams and had lost the game. And middle of the night, Paul gets a call from the head coach of the Redskins, Joe Gibbs, who's an NFL Hall of Famer, and uh, he's like, I really need you. I need you to come and straighten out my special teams. And Paul went, and it was Paul. It was a tough situation because he didn't fire the special teams coach. But Paul basically came in here, and he's not really, he's sort of referred to as a consultant, but he's like, I'm going to refer to you as a consultant, but you're my coach, and you got to, you got to straighten this out, and and he really did, and uh, and that got him to the Super Bowl. Because if you'll recall, they played an NFC Championship game, and Daryl Green returned a punt for a touchdown that you know was the was the game breaker, and and Paul you know had discussed how we had devised that, thought that was going to happen. So yeah, so and then and then they uh, go on, they take on John Elway and the Broncos. They got off to a slow start, but then Doug Williams was the quarterback, and they knock off the. Uh, Broncos and Paul gets himself a Super Bowl ring that I know many people in Jackson County have had a chance to slip onto their fingers uh, over the years. And Mark, uh, Paul of course played at Ripley High. Sure. He coached at Ripley High and now uh, sadly uh, his health is not doing well. Can you just bring us up to well, date on, on yeah, Paul? Yeah, you know, Paul you know, suffered from uh, Alzheimer's uh, along with his wife and uh, just uh, two wonderful people. She passed a few years ago and uh, no two people wanted to return to Jackson County and be a part of the Jackson County community any more than those two did. And when uh, they were living in Ohio and Helen had taught for many years and was a wonderful teacher. And it was kind of funny when Paul uh, asked Mr. Holmes if he could marry his daughter, they had, they had uh, 10, ten uh, children. And I believe she was one of eight girls and she was the youngest, I believe. And it was like, uh, 
he said, well, where do you plan on living? I don't want any of my girls going very far off. He goes, well, we're going to live in Ripley. He goes, well, I guess that's okay. <laughs> he goes, like about 10 states later, <laughs> clear to the other, and she taught, I forget how many different states she was qualified, but, you know, they, they worked in uh, Delaware, Ohio, Arkansas, Colorado, California, Michigan, you know, and, uh, and, and then back to Ohio, uh, and that's where he finished with the Browns. And, uh, uh, you know, just a, just a wonderful story to get them back here into the community and for people kind of to get to know somebody that they had heard of, but they hadn't met. And, and you know him, Mike, and, and, and Helen, and, uh, you know, for all the success, uh, two of the most humble, wonderful, nice Christian people you could ever run across. Indeed. Mark, thank you so much for Thanks. sharing your Thanks, knowledge. Mark. Our guest on Viking 360 has been Mark Martin. Lady Viking basketball picked up a 20-point victory at Hurricane on Thursday. The Ripley girls have won seven of their last eight games going into Saturday's trip to Capitol. Mike Rubin had a conversation with assistant coach Jason Roush. Next on Viking 360, we're talking with Lady Viking assistant basketball coach Jason Roush. And Jason, you're, uh, tell me a little bit about your background. You had told me that you're uh, from the Pleasance County area. Up in St. Mary's. Yeah, right. Um, I grad, grad, graduated in 1992. Um, actually, didn't play me play basketball. I was a golfer, but uh, I, mean, I was fortunate enough uh, that we won a state championship my freshman year. Um, you know, I mean, basically the same work ethic that we that that I used in golf is what we expect out out of the, the basketball program here. And graduated there and. And then I went on to WVU, um, marched in, in, in the band at WVU in the Pride. And, and then I went into dental school uh, and grad, graduated in 98. Um, I opened a private practice in 1999. I got married same summer, um, lived in Park, Parkersburg. And, uh, and I mean, basically until, until my wife uh, delivered our, our twins. And, and uh, when she, she delivered, we moved to Jackson County. And my wife, uh, I mean, she went to school, school with her. And you're still involved with the dental profession. Tell me a little bit about your responsibilities yeah. there. Well, I was in private practice for 14 years uh, in Park, Parkersburg. Uh, it's right beside South. Um, still own part of the pra practice, but you know, I mean, sometimes you need to make changes in your career, and I just need, I needed a change. And I was fortunate enough to, to get a job with the state as the dental director. Um, I've been full-time there since 2010. Basically, I work um, with partners around, around the state to ensure the kids have access to, I mean, to oral health care. I work with the Center of Disease Control and HRSR, you know, which are federal groups. Or agencies to and write grants to bring to bring some uh, grant money in, in the state. I mean, you know, for education and outreach programs. Coach, you obviously have a love affair with basketball, and you have this facility in the Kenna community. Tell us about the rock and how it came about. Well, I mean, I love basketball. I mean, I love all sports. I didn't play basketball in high school. Uh, I mean, primarily because I was. 
I'm a little uh, overweight, if you want to be, try to be honest, Rube. Um, so I concentrate on golf. But um, I love basketball. Uh, my girls love basketball. And, uh, you know, I mean, we, we lived here in order to get the proper training and to play uh, in the sum I mean, summer. You had to drive to Parkersburg to leave. And uh, I, mean, I kind of felt that um, some of the programs like Parkersburg South and PHS and the Wood County program, the athletes were, were better because they basically had the opportunity to train and to play year round. Uh, so basically, you know, not every kid in the county has the op opportunity to drive to Wood County. And my father-in-law, George Freshour, and me uh, had to rock build with, I mean, with, with basically the goal uh, of giving kids in, in the county and surrounding county the same opportunities that the kids in, you know, in Wood County had. And uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to do it. Uh, the dental profession you know, is a very, I mean, a very good profession and I always try to get, you know, I want to give others opportunities that I had and, and building that rock is, you know, it's the way I can do, I mean, do it. And Coach, uh, thanks for volunteering your time to assist with the Lady Viking basketball program. And what is it like to work with the team and to work with your daughter? Well, you know, I mean, I love kids. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons why I took the dental director job, just to make sure that, you know, kids, every kid has access to oral health care. And that's the same thing in basketball. I mean, I love being around kids, um, you know, and trying, you know, it's not, you know, it's not always about basketball. I mean, basically use the same principles uh, in, in basketball, in life, if you want to be, be successful as far as practice and hard work, you know, hard work, attitude, teamwork. So, you know, it's, I mean, I mean, sports is a way to develop those skills for later in life. I mean, I mean, I love the game. I love working with John and Scotty and Rachel. Um, I talk on the phone all the time. Um, I'm passionate about it. and I, I mean, It's hard. I mean, I'll be honest. It's hard when you have a kid, kid that plays because um, sometimes you want to be a little bit harder on, on your child. But, um, I mean, that's something that John and me both have been, I mean, I think we're both conscious of that fact. And, you know, I try to coach Taylor, he tries to coach my, my daughter, but it, you know, I mean, you, I mean, they're only young so long, you know, and those are op, op, opportunities that, that we get to spend together. Um, you know, so, I mean, I love, I love it, you know. Coach, you had, you told me that you had uh, hosted a number of exchange students mm -hmm. uh, before, but this year it's a little bit different mm -hmm. in that the exchange students are six foot nine. Mm -hmm. And they play basketball at Heritage Christian Academy in mm -hmm. Ravenswood. Tell me uh, about that situation and what it's like to host uh, two international students from Africa. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, Rube. I mean, I mean, we've had several uh, several uh, several girls um, foreign exchange students, and that was always. I mean, we chose that because of our teenage daughters, you know. But Heritage Christian. I mean, they started to bring in the athletes, I think, back in August. I had a facility that they needed a place to train. And it was just kind of a relationship that kind of just felt, I mean, felt in place. Um, the 
kids were there. They were trying to find places for them to live. And, and my wife and me talk, talked about it. And I said, well, there's going to be training in there at the facility. It makes sense to house too. And, um, I mean, uh, there's, I think, I think there's seven, if I can't count them right, seven kids from a Africa, uh, and anywhere from eighth grade to tenth, tenth grade. Uh, the two I have, I have a six nine uh, freshman. His name's Jerome. Um, he's a rim protector, um, so to speak. And then I have a six nine sophomore. And, um, he, he, he's a little bit more more offensive minded. They're, they're great kids. Um, you know, some of the challenges is communication. You know, with basketball, I means something I means so much of success is related to communication. And uh, you know that they, they speak French. I can't speak French. <laughs> I mean, I have four years of Spanish, and I still can't speak Spanish. So, I mean, that's I mean, some some of the barriers are communication. I mean, that team's going to be very successful. Um, I mean, they're athletic as could be. That, that, I mean, they just that, I mean the communication barrier, and they just need to develop. I mean, they, these are kids. You're, I mean, you're going to see playing on ESP and I'm confident. Hopefully in the uh, I mean gold and uh, blue, but uh, I mean Steve might want uh, you know the green green and white. But you know regard regardless, I mean my, my goal would be for him to to play where I can watch him play. You know so, but there I mean it, it's a good program. Uh, the great great kids that they haven't been exposed to I mean to a lot. So. The social aspect's important to them. I mean, you'll see them here at the games. I mean, they cheer for the, I mean, our teams, uh, but they're just as passionate about the game as me. So it's a good fit. Coach Roush, thank you so much uh, for what you do for our community, and thank you for being a part of right. Viking 360. Hey, thanks, Rube. Ripley Wrestling celebrates Senior Day on Saturday with a noon dual match against top-ranked Parkersburg South. It's the final home match for J.T. Horn, Tanner Ross, and for this man, Ethan Kuntz. He's one of three Ripley High wrestlers honored this week on Senior Night. Welcome Ethan Kuntz to Viking 360. Ethan, congratulations on being ranked 7th among the AAA wrestlers in West Virginia in your weight class. What would you say has been the key to your success on the wrestling mats during this, your senior season? Um, just pushing the pace all the time in my matches and in practice and keeping my other guys going hard all the time. That's part of being a senior captain, I would imagine. Yes. You're currently in the 152-pound weight class for the Vikings. For most wrestlers, maintaining weight can be a difficult thing to do. But I know for you, Putting on weight was a concern, especially early in your career, like as a freshman and a sophomore. Please explain that situation and how you dealt with that. Uh, as a freshman, I was only weighing about 80 pounds, wrestling 106, and I was giving up 20 pounds almost every match, and it was just a real struggle to gain weight. And through the years, I had started taking growth hormone shots, and last year I wrestled 120, going from 80 to 120, and now I'm all the way up to 152, so that was a big help. And even I know the key for wrestlers in West Virginia is placing among the top four in your weight class during the upcoming Region 4 tournament. That, in turn, qualifies you for the state tournament. You've been there before. 
Now with teams like Parkersburg South, Parkersburg, Huntington, Cabell Midland, all in our region, that can represent a real challenge. What is it going to take for you to qualify for that prestigious state tournament and make a return trip? Uh, I'm just going to have to go out every match. I'm not going to have to wrestle the singlet in front of me and the team callers. I'm just going to have to wrestle the person in front of me and wrestle as hard as I can. Very good. Now tell us about Ethan Kuntz away from the wrestling match. How do you like to spend your spare time? Uh, I'm like an outdoors kind of guy. I like to hunt, fish, work around the house, uh, spend time with my family. Very good. And we've been talking with Viking senior wrestler Ethan Kuntz on Viking 360. As you know, it's Super Bowl weekend for the NFL. I had a chance to chat with someone who has been there and done that. Former Patriot punter Chris Hansen hasn't forgotten his connection to Ripley High School. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by longtime friend of the program, 11-year NFL vet and pro bowler Chris Hansen. Chris, thanks for being with us today, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me today. Uh, excited to be uh, talking to you and, and – uh, like to say hey to all the Ripley fans out there in uh, Ripley, West Virginia. Uh, miss you guys. Haven't seen you guys in a while, so hope you're all doing well. So, Chris, uh, your journey uh, to where you and I ended up uh, connecting started at Marshall, which is where you played your college football, and then you moved on to the NFL. Uh, had a pretty good stint with the Jaguars and then also uh, with the Patriots. You had a uh, Super Bowl appearance, also a Pro Bowl appearance, just talk about uh, how blessed uh, the ride was for you, Chris, to go uh, from a small town in Georgia, just south of Atlanta, to um, well, you know where that game, the game of football, actually took you. It was, uh, you know, it was, you know, looking back um, after all these years, because it's been many years now. But looking back and seeing how God's hand was in it uh, was was really cool to to be, you know offered a chance to go play at Marshall University in my uh, further my football career out of high school and getting a, um, to play for the herd and playing four years with the herd and, you know, getting to meet cool, you know, cool people like you and, and, uh, and others and, you know, that I got to play with and got to experience some national championship games and get some rings. And then, uh, you know, just really the chance just to continue my career after Marshall and, and playing in the NFL was, was uh, just a blessing because um, it's so hard to get into that league and, and just to be able to go and have an 11-year uh, career there and just get to experience the things that I got to experience was pretty cool. Um, and looking back, all I can say is, uh, you know, God had his hand on me, uh, protecting me, guiding me, um, and uh, just being able to do something that I love to do for a, for a living was, was a blessing. You know, Chris, you talk about uh, getting there, but man, the journey for you, um, it was a tough one, man. I mean, you had to go overseas and play back then in NFL Europe. Uh, you had a short stint with the Browns, the Packers, uh, a lot of adversity that you faced through that and, and the, your ability and your faith uh, to stick with uh, the plan and do what uh, you felt God was leading you to do. Um, talk about that process a little bit, because I know personally from being your friend that was a tough time for you but uh you know obviously everything paid off yeah you know i think i think adversity is put in our lives um for a reason i think it helps make you stronger and and looking back and and you know it took me i was cut like three or four times trying to get in the league and 
and uh, had to go play in NFL Europe with the Barcelona Dragons. And coming out of Europe, you know, I tore my ACL and was on injured reserve uh, for a year and, and just fighting, you know, it wasn't an easy ride, but I think, I think because it wasn't an easy ride, it, it grows you as a person. It grows your faith extremely well because you've got to start relying on, on uh, your faith in, in Christ and not on your own self. And, and uh, I think just the, the, the learning, the learning that you have to overcome something and it's not going to be easy taught me a lot. I think it, uh, is why I'm, you know, where I'm at now. It's the, why I'm the dad I am now, the husband I am now, the employer, uh, employee that I am now is because I understand that it's, you know, not always going to be easy. And there, you're going to have to overcome adversity to, to be successful in anything that you want. And you can't really listen to, uh, the naysayers say, you know, negative things. You just got to keep your head down and keep working and keep focusing on what you feel God is leading you towards. And, and uh, I think he's got a great plan in place. And as long as we stay out of the way, um, and that's not easy to do, by the way, to stay out of the way of what you feel God wants you to do and what you want to do. But I think as long as you surrender and stay out of the way, God's going to work and he's going to work for his glory. Um, and, uh, you know, looking back, I wouldn't change anything that happened to me for, for anything because, I think it's made me, like I said, the, the, the father, the husband, the, uh, the, the leader I am today is because, um, it's all about him. It's all about impacting others for him. And, and to be able to do what I do now, looking back, you know, he prepared me for what I'm doing now of impacting teenagers and, and coaches as being the athletic director of Trinity Christian, where I'm at now. Impacting kids' lives, and you know, you turn on Sports Center and on all the news outlets now, and what you hear are the negative stories about professional athletes. You don't hear the positive stories, the ones like you taking your time uh, to come to Ripley and help us further a football program, as you did several years, and also putting yours and your wife Casey's own money into donating uh, shoes for all of our players or cleats rather for the, the football team. I think two or three or four years in a row, you did that. You know, those are the stories that you don't hear Chris. And, and those are the stories that impact kids lives and, and that stick with them forever. I agree. I agree. Being able to do that and just being able to, um, you know, we're called to, to plant seeds and we're called to love people. And I think when you're loving people and you're, you're just sharing, you know, the love that, that Christ shares to us. I think just being able to do that, and um, it just gives us a platform to, you know, where we understand our, our purpose, and we all have a purpose. Um, you know, uh, I haven't been back up to Ripley in a while, but I still have uh, extreme, you know, love for, for Ripley, West Virginia, and for you and your family. And, and uh, you know, for a long time there, you know, I was – up there and seeing things go on and they've, you know, you guys have continued to build a great athletic program up there and, and uh, just being able to be a part of that early and, you know, in the years it was, you know, it was cool. And, and, uh, you know, hopefully you're getting kids from that, those years when we were, we were up there, hopefully you're getting kids coming back and, and sharing that same love with others in the area now. For sure. Uh, you know, something that, uh, you know, kids uh, grow up and, and, get lives and they still try to be involved in, and uh, be a part of the program for sure, Chris, but this, 
you know, this week's Super Bowl week, which is a big reason I wanted to have you on, you know, you played in the Super Bowl a few years ago uh, in Glendale, Arizona, and you so graciously uh, allowed me to have a ticket to be a part of that. Uh, a, a moment I'll probably never forget. I mean, I think about the energy within that stadium um, sitting up in the stands. I can't imagine. I know what you were feeling because you've told me, but share a little bit of what that experience was like. Unfortunately, it came up a little bit short, but you still got there. Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was, you know, from an emotional standpoint, it was it was one of the uh, craziest weeks of my life. And, and not so much during the game time. The game time was just, you know, it was a lot during the week, just everything going on. And, and you know, Coach Belichick did a great job of keeping us grounded as far as when we were in time inside the lines on the football field. Um, now, you know, you're still in the Super Bowl, so you still are looking out and seeing the crowds. And then you see, you know, you watch the kickoff and all the flashes going on and, and it kind of sets in, Hey, I'm, I'm in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, but I think, you know, the whole week was just great. These, these guys that are getting ready to play this Sunday, they're, you know, they're preparing just like it's any other game. Um, and I know that's hard for a fan to listen to and say, Hey, it's not just another game, but you have to kind of stay grounded and, and, and do your job because, uh, that's what you're expected to do. But the excitement leading up to it, the excitement of making the game is, is something that you can't, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever have that same feeling of running out on the field uh, out of the tunnel for the first uh, part of the game, you know, coming out for the start of the game, but you know, it's, it's really cool. And then to, you know, each team's there's going to be a winner and it's going to be a loser. And, and uh, you know, like you said, we were, we came up short that night, but, um, just, just looking and seeing everything that, that happened and, and how it transpired that night, you know, looking back, it's like, man, you know, that was cool to be a part of. Um, but it wasn't who I was. It wasn't, um, it, it didn't define who I was in a, as in an identity. It was just, you know, it was another thing to go, you know, golly, what a blessing to be able to do this. And, you know, it's cool to see, I've been talking with my buddy, uh, um, the last couple of days and he's getting ready to play on his, I think fifth or sixth Super Bowl, uh, since, since that time that I was there and it's, it's crazy. Um, and, and they're just, you know, they're gearing up and hopefully I wish them the best of luck. They'll, they'll pull this one out as well. So, um, but it's, you know, it's a feeling that you can't describe. It's a feeling of, you know, 70, 80,000 fans screaming and running out in flashes. And, and it's, it's just a cool thing to, to be a part of. One of your buddies you speak of, uh, Tom Brady, talk about him, Chris. I mean, you want to talk about the greatest of all time. He's arguably that guy. Here he is back in the Super Bowl again competing for another one. Yeah, I mean, he's he is definitely uh, he's definitely one of the one of the best. Um, he's, you know, was always that the, the guy that's going to be the first in and the last one to leave. Um when you talk about professional athletes and you talk about, you know, why they're successful, it all comes down to preparation. And, and that goes all the way down to the high school ranks, the college ranks. And, and if you're going to prepare and you're going to prepare like nobody else is going to prepare and you're going to take the extra time to, to make sure you spend little time, on, you know, spend time on the little details and, and just be well prepared. I think that gives you an edge. And, and that was definitely him. Um, but also in the locker room, he was a leader. He was, 
one of the first people to walk up to me when I, when I came there and introduced himself and, and, uh, and I, I think he still does it to this day when new people come to the team, because it's, it's a big family and, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't lead the way you're supposed to lead if you don't get to know your, your, your teammates. So um, just watching the way he worked, watching the way that he, the passion he had, the way he prepared, the way he went into practice every day and we just wanted to get better. He just had an eagerness and a desire to get better every practice. There was no, never a satisfaction thing with him. It's always, what can I do to get better? What's going to give me this? What's going to, how can I uh, obtain this? So, and it just comes down to preparation and hard work. So, Chris, you talk about leaders. To me, you've always been a leader since the day I met you. Now, we fast forward in your life. You're a father of three. You're leading an athletic uh, program in a small school down there uh, south of Atlanta. Tell us a little bit about uh, what's going on with you now. Um, yeah, it's it's it goes fast, man. Golly. Um, I've been here at Trinity Christian School for about eight and a half years now. Um I've got three kids. My oldest is turning 15 tomorrow. It's kind of crazy. He'll start driving after tomorrow. Um, but, you know, just being able to do, and, uh, and I said it earlier, just looking back on my whole career throughout the NFL and throughout college, you know, I can see that God was preparing me for what I'm doing now. Um, being able to lead an athletic program and, and, and lead coaches has been a true blessing. I've got a great set of coaches. We've got great athletes here. Our athletic program has really taken off. Um, just put in new turf field this year, brand new track this year. We got a brand new high school. Um, uh, you know, our football program's doing really well. We were in the, uh, we, two years ago, we lost state championship by a touchdown last year. We went to the second round of playoffs. We've got, just about every sport here that you can offer and, you know, just seeing our kids be able to compete in something they love and God's gifted them with, but also in the, in the, in the grand scheme of things, seeing how our coaches impact and how God uses our coaches and uses our athletes to, to change someone's life has been, has been pretty cool. Um, so, you know, it's, we never know what God's going to do with our lives if we don't listen to them. But if you kind of, if you kind of sit back and, and see everything that he's doing and you listen for his voice and you, you follow his guidance, I think, you know, I think he's going to use you if you're willing. And, and uh, you know, and I've definitely been willing. Um, I will say it's not all easy, but it's there's a lot more good than 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 bad that have, that has come through. You talk about uh, your your two sons, your daughter, Christian, Caden and Kylie. Uh, as a punter, Chris, you outpunted your coverage with your wife, Casey. Um, she is a tremendous person. Your backbone, uh, been with you for a long time and, and I know how important she is to you. Yeah. She's what makes our family run. Um, she is our, she's our rock. She, uh, I met Casey when she was 12 years old and, and, uh, you know, we've, we've been together. We'll be together 19 years this year. Um, uh, married 19 years. So, um, but yeah, she, she understands. Uh, and I think, you know, like I said before, I think God prepares you for what you're doing now. Um, she understands what I do now. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of, uh, time away from family when we have games and stuff, but I think being in the NFL and, and, and just knowing the, the, the way of the athlete's life, I think it prepared her for, um, for what, what I do now. I mean, we're, we're a team. We all work at the same school. Um, we're all here at the same school and, and, uh, but she gets it. She gets it the after hours that we put in, both of us put in and, um, 
I wouldn't be where I was today without her. Well, Super Bowl is in Atlanta this week. Uh, you're not far from there. Uh, you're going to get an opportunity to see some of your old teammates? Uh, I hope to. I think tomorrow I'm going to go up and see some of the guys, and then uh, I won't go to the game. I'd rather watch it on TV, honestly. Um, but I've got some – I'm speaking at a couple of churches this week and uh, just sharing my testimony, sharing my faith. And it's an exciting week down here. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun watching the games on Sunday and, and cheering for my Patriots. Well, buddy, appreciate the time, man. And certainly, um, you know, we appreciate what you have done for Ripley and Ripley High School. And, uh, you know, it has not been forgotten. Uh, it was very generous uh, of your time and your finances for you and, and Casey to do. and. Uh, probably changed a few lives in the in the meantime so we certainly appreciate that well i appreciate you guys having me and i uh, look forward to hopefully getting back up there one day i love ripley i love you guys and your family and and i uh, wish nothing but the best for ripley high school and your your athletic program and your school and you know just keep impacting kids for him that's what it's about chris thanks again for the time buddy and uh again keep in touch with us and we'll talk soon Will do. Thanks. You've been listening to Chris Hansen on Viking 360. Yet another NFL Ripley tie is that with former Viking player and assistant coach Adam Hill. Welcome back inside Viking 360. I'm joined now by former Viking uh, football player and coach Adam Hill. Adam, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it, man. It's good to uh, good to catch up always. Well, you and I talk quite often, but, uh, you know, uh, the Viking Nation hasn't heard from you in quite a few years, Coach. It was, uh, I think, 2012. Is that right? Is that your season up here at Ripley? Yeah, it was. Um, I was offensive coordinator there in 2012. I think it was uh, – I know it was Jimmy's last year um, up there. It just kind of happened. Um, in the spring of 2012, I'd – actually came to Ripley was looking to hold a college combine for a spring league that was starting up. And my grandmother was sick, as you know. So Jimmy and I got to talking. He's like, man, won't you come up here and run the offense? And it, it had never dawned on me. And I was just like, man, what, what an opportunity to come back at Ripley and, and uh, be a part of that program and be a part of the community, man. It's actually, I tell people to this day, I think I've told you this, that that was my favorite year I've ever had coaching. Well, that says a lot. I mean, you've you've been around, uh, seen a lot of uh, coaching opportunities. But let's let's rewind. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's rewind to when you came to Ripley uh, back in 1990, I believe. Is that right? Summer of 1990. That's, that's correct. <laughs> talk about that. The the move from uh, Clearwater, Florida, to Ripley uh, for your senior season. Well, it was always, you know, it was always something that I wanted to do. My my dad, I grew up, you know, up till I was in the third grade in Ripley and was, um, you know, went to every Friday night game like every other kid in Ripley. But uh, when we moved to Florida, you know, I would play electric football. I'd paint my teams up and they were the Ripley Vikings. <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> and you know about the electric football. So, <laughs> yes, I do. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 grown up you know always wanting to be a viking and then I, I played three years of high school football down here at largo high school and and um but even then would keep track i think we actually got the jackson herald mailed to us uh 
down here in Florida, you know, the entire time I was growing up. So I was reading the articles from the 89 team, you know, undefeated. And at that time we were the number one team in the Tampa Bay area, but I still had that longing to go back to Ripley and, and, and be a Viking. And my senior year came back, I uh, moved in with my grandmother. She got guardianship of me and um, some people made some things happen. And, and I got to live out my dream where my dad's number at his high school, my senior year was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. What did it feel like for you running out of the uh, locker room and hearing uh, Rube say it's uh, it's football time in Death Valley? Be- I know what that meant to you and what every player that played at Ripley High School means. But uh, to come from a a really successful school in Florida that you don't get a lot of fan support to a place that uh, they roll the sidewalks up on Friday night for the for the football games and everybody in town goes. Talk about what that was like for you uh, coming up here. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget coming out of the locker room, the old locker room that was in the, you know, in the back of the gymnasium there. And everybody had been telling me all summer, you know, what it was like. And I'd never heard Rube say it's football time in Death Valley. But uh, <laughs> I'll never forget coming around the corner. And I think that we played Sissonville was our first home game that year. And uh, yeah. I was just in awe looking at, from the locker room to the, to the, bleachers over there just completely packed and I can remember getting chill bumps and and everybody else was already running through the hoop <laughs> and I'd always planned on being I was like I'm going to be the first guy through that hoop Friday night I, I don't I don't care who I got to knock down I'm I'm going to be the first one through it and uh I think it was Brandon Landis takes off and everybody starts <laughs> taking off I'm st- I think I was still talking smack to Sissy Bill's crowd <laughs> or something and I'm like half the team is already on the field I'm still standing over there taking it all in so it was, uh, and then to hear hear the fight song and everything, man, it was just awesome. Something I'll never forget, and, and uh, I'll never regret doing. I'll, I'll tell you that. So you had a great year at Ripley, your senior year. Then you go on to play at Glenville State under uh, Coach Rodriguez at the time. There, Coach Dean Hood was your defensive coordinator. Uh, Tony Gibson, the uh, ex. Uh, West Virginia defensive coordinator was your roommate. Old roommate, uh, yeah. Yeah, talk a little bit about your experience at Glenville before you moved on to Marshall. So I, I, you know, Coach Hood came to the school and I, and I, and I can just like, I can remember it like yesterday, Coach Marino coming to get me out of class. And uh, it was early on in the recruiting process. And I can remember him telling me, you know, don't, don't make any decisions. Don't tell anything, you know, to this coach. I know it's the first coach here or anything like that. He's like, but there's going to be more coming here to take a look at you. And uh, just one conversation with Dean Hood, I was like, man, this guy's, this guy's crazy. I like you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so and then i ended up actually uh jimmy's dad coach jim frazier at that time who wasn't really i mean he's always been involved with the program but he got brandon landis and i um johnny dodson and leroy k and he piled us in the car and took us to glimble on like a tuesday and uh first time i talked to coach rodriguez i, I wasn't sure that i wanted to go to glenville but i was sure that i wanted to play for him and coach hood and uh, I kind of put them off till the spring. I played baseball and um, had, had some baseball offers, but I just uh, dreaded had to go to Glenville to play for those guys. But, um, you know, I, I just – we had a chance to go up there, and, and I, I started games as a freshman and and um, and got to play in a national championship within two years. And that's one of the things that he told us in recruiting was – 
you know, if, 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 if 75% of you freshmen stay here in two years, we'll play, we'll win the conference and play for a national championship. And everybody thought he was crazy. <laughs> Limble was lucky to score for five years. before that. Right. And, uh, and two years later, we're in the national championship game. It was, it was, it was an awesome turnaround, man, just to watch how, how those guys worked up there. What did you learn, Adam, as you uh, playing at that college level under uh, a couple of really successful coaches? We all want to, know what coach rods has uh accomplished dean hood uh, he was at eastern kentucky for a while he is now the special teams coordinator at the university of kentucky so he's he's bounced around quite a bit adam but what did you take from those guys as you uh, transferred from being a player into being a coach um just the fact that never you know they were they were constantly evolving the offense we our defense was as complicated as any defense I've ever been a part of. Um, you know, even I played for the West Virginia Lightning up there in Charleston when uh, Coach Youngblood was there. It was a West Virginia guy, and they were running the 3-4 that West Virginia was running at the time when they had Gary Stills and all those guys. And Coach Hood's defense was was not easy to learn. Um, you know, it was, it was wordy. We had a, a ton of different coverages and stuff like that. But as I look back on it, when I started becoming a coach and when I started getting that bug one in the coach – um, it was just how innovative they were. They weren't afraid to take to take chances, and it wasn't about you know who we were playing. It was about us all the time. And you know we we had a thing where when we won the conference, they painted a big G in the middle of the locker room. And I don't think to this day that anybody's ever stepped on that G. And the and the thing was is just trying to bring respect to a program that was not a was not a winner. You know, and how hard those guys worked, and and the grind that they put in, and the sacrifices and stuff that they made. Um, you know, I, I respect them to this day. If I see both of them, anytime I see them, you know, they always hug me up, and and uh, you know, it's just it's one of those things where we built that thing together, and just seeing that that sense of accomplishment and the kind of grind that they did as a coaching staff was was awesome. You know, and and it made me respect the the, the profession and wanted to get into it. Yeah, I mean, and you look at your coaching career, Adam, you were at uh, Kentucky Christian University, a university that just started playing football when you got there. You were at Ripley. You moved on to Blake High School down there in in Florida after you left uh, Ripley. And you took a team, Adam, that had really no success previously and uh, did some really good things with them before you stepped down from there. Yeah, we, we had a lot of firsts. I ended up, um, and I'd left the Tampa Bay Storm to take that job. And uh, one of my best friends down here, his name is Anthony Davis, is a Virginia Tech Hokie and played left tackle for the Bucks. And, and we got to know each other through some, some Bucks connections and stuff like that. And uh, he gives me a call one evening. He's like, hey, man, I need you to come down here and help me. You know, I need a football guy down here. And at that time, he was a defensive coordinator. So I put the application in. It was actually the um, it was the uh, the first all black high school in Tampa, and had a, a ton of history behind the school and alumni and stuff like that. But um, you know, so I was actually the first the first white head coach in school history. So just going into that situation and and being able to work with those kids and the alumni and the tradition and stuff like that at that school, but they had never won and and just had had an opportunity to to go in and actually try all the things as a head coach. I'd never been a head coach. I'd have been a coordinator at the college level. I'd been a coordinator at the high school level, but never really been a head coach. So 
all those crazy theories that that you come up with when you're playing electric football and all, <laughs> <laughs> and all that kind of stuff you know hey man i get to pick the uniforms yeah. but you know, okay. just the the work that goes in as a as a head coach, and especially at that level, you know, it was a six A high school in Florida, and and you know, you don't have, you don't have the resources that you had when you're coaching at the college level or at the professional level with the arena league and stuff like that. But but just going in the amount of work and and being able to to instill my beliefs and in, into the, those coaches and and those kids and the alumni and that school and the this the quick turnaround that we made was was remarkable i mean we we beat hillsborough high school which they had been playing football against hillsborough since the 1960s and had never beat hillsborough and we beat them the first year i was there and actually had a game at their place the second year that if we beat them we go to the playoffs but um you know it turned the program around had the first winning record in school history in uh in 2016 and it was just it was time to move on i, I you know it high school football was it was just it, it wasn't my goal i hate i hate to be like that i i love the atmosphere i love the kids and stuff like that it's just it's just some of the stuff that surrounds it that that you know that are taken care of at higher levels that that is the attraction and, and i know you know exactly what i'm talking about <laughs> i do let's fast forward to that adam you know uh your goal i've known for many uh years and i've always believed you would uh, be to where you're about to be uh, you uh, worked for John Gruden for a short stint as a consultant. You've kind of worked your way into the Buccaneers uh, organization down there in Tampa. Tell us uh, where you're at now and some of the things that are on the horizon for you. <laughs> so you called me about this. This uh, Actually, I think it was Rude that had messaged me on Facebook about this interview this week or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, that's, that's awesome. I can't wait to tell them about, you know, everything that I've been through in the last six months. And in the last week since Rube has, uh, reached out to me, Dean Hood, actually, and I don't know if I've told you this, Dean Hood reached out to me last week. He was recruiting in North Carolina and stopped by Justin Frazier's school. This is how crazy this is. And he was recruiting one of Justin's tackles and wanted him to go to his camp, Mm -hmm. you know, UK's camp. And, he and Justin had let him know that he was from Ripley, and he said, "Do you know Adam Hill?" And Justin's like, "Yeah, man. You know, I, I played football with him. I coached with him in 2012." He's like, "Do you ever talk to him?" And Justin said, "Yeah, I talked to him last week." And Coach Hood's like, "Give me his number. I, I got to call him." <laughs> so I'm in the my my son Wes, my oldest son Wes, plays right across the street of the house here, and I'd actually just got done working with the Bucks, and had driven to Wes's workouts, and I'm standing in the workouts. I get a phone call. Kentucky area code I, I answer it and it was coach hood and I hadn't talked to coach hood for probably five years five or six years I'd seen him at the AFCA convention in Nashville and uh he said that Justin had told him that I was working for the Bucks now and I said yeah I was working I'm right now so currently I'm working in community relations um uh, my official title is youth development so I'm a youth development coach in community relations as part of the NFL Play 60 that every every team is doing right now is, you know, they're they're really in this area trying to push girls flag football. So we do a lot of we do do a lot of camps. We're starting to do um, some USA heads up stuff next next fall and in the summer if I'm still in this position uh, with some contact stuff. But my experience as a coach and stuff like that, and I'd been the high school coach of the week and was up for high school coach of the year two times when I was at Blake. Um, and had done a bunch of Bucks events, and the lady that was doing the hiring for the position actually knew me from 
from, you know, those, those interactions. Uh, so that I've been working that job since June, but when coach hood called me, we just went through a coaching staff change here at the end of the season with coach cutter being let go. And, uh, coach hood informed me that his best friend in the world just got the quarterback's coaching job for us. <laughs> and then he wanted me to go meet him. So yesterday I went in and, uh, I don't know if it was an interview. I don't know if it was a pre-interview, but we kind of went into the football side. You know, with, with the NFL, there's there's two different sides to every building in the NFL. There's the business side, there's the football side. And I've been trying to, you know, sneak my way into the football side ever <laughs> since I got into the building. And um, so I text Coach Christensen, Clyde Christensen, who had been with the Indianapolis Colts last year. He was with the Dolphins. Um but I went in, introduced myself to him, sat down, talked to him for about 45 minutes. And turns out we have a lot more connections than just Coach Hood. When I was in the in the uh, New Orleans in 2010 with the Saints, when I did training camp down there, Howard Mudd from the Indianapolis Colts actually was a consultant after the Super Bowl in o- during OTA. So I got to be there with Coach Mudd from the Colts and the staff from the from the Saints with Coach Payton and Coach Cromer and all those guys. And Coach Mudd was the offensive line coach when Christensen was the uh, quarterback's coach in Indianapolis. So we had a mutual connection there as well. And now, of course, Byron left, which is the offensive coordinator. And I saw him yesterday, met Coach Arians yesterday. And uh, and I think it's looking up. And they they brought up some possible positions that would be coming up, coming open or the NFL can actually make positions each organization. So. I don't know. It's it's all it's all kind of up in the air right now, but it's 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 the kind of up in the air that I like. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's always good to have options for sure, and I'm hoping Coach Hood will uh, get you on the staff at UK. That way, I can get you back closer up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I would take it once once my youngest son graduate graduates high school. I would take it, but that's nine years away. Well, Adam, man, <laughs> uh, you're like a brother to me. I'm super proud of what you've accomplished. Uh, I know this is only the beginning. I've told you that for years, and uh, you know, just keep it going, man. Keep us keep in touch with us. I know you you and I will talk, but. Uh, We'll do this again sometime, maybe here in a couple of years when you're a uh, on staff down there for the Buccaneers. It'll be awesome, man. And until then, I'll keep uh, looking forward to our uh, talks on your road trips, you, Ruben, <laughs> Jeff, and Mark, and, oh, and all always, <laughs> always. Just put me on speakerphone, man. I'll keep you entertained. Always, Adam. <laughs> thanks for the time, man, and best of luck to you. We wish you nothing but the best. Hey. I appreciate it, buddy. Give me. A You've call. been listening to Viking alum Adam Hill on Viking 360. That's going to wrap up our super edition of Viking 360. And in honor of the Super Bowl, we'll refer to this as episode XI. Until next week, we'll see you around. <laughs>